James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Every believer should be able to remain steadfast under trial. Why? Because the child of God has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, and the Holy Spirit gives us what we need when we need it. But we can rebel against God and His Holy Spirit and make a mess of our lives, which demands discipline from God. Isaiah 63.10, it says, But they rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. Therefore, He turned to be their enemy and Himself fought against them. We don't want the Holy Spirit fighting against us. It's hard enough to make it through this life while maintaining our sanity. The Holy Spirit is our guide, our comforter, the very presence of God within us. So we must yield to Him and learn to follow no matter how hard it may seem. And there's a phrase we use on occasion when a person gets hit in the head hard enough to disorient them. We say they got their bell rung. And when a person who has never had their bell rung begins training in some sort of combat sport, they will inevitably get their bell rung. And when this happens, something weird occurs. They often cover their face and try to quickly remove themselves from the situation. Sometimes people cry when they get hit in the head. And body shots don't seem to produce as severe of a response compared to getting hit in the head for the first time. But in these moments, the person who has gotten hit can do two things. They can quit or continue. And I've had some exposure to combat sports training, and I've had my bell rung a few times, not to mention going end over end on my mountain bike and then planting my face in the dirt, which left me unconscious for a brief moment. And my response to getting hit in the head varies, but typically if I get hurt yet I can continue, then I press on. If I get hurt and it's bad, then I back off. But if I'm not hurt, then I tend to get angry, which reveals a side of me that I don't like to see. And when this happens, I tend to lose focus and just kind of go all out, which usually leaves me dry heaving after about 30 seconds. But the more we get our bell rung, the more we can train through it and overcome our tendency to go fetal. And this is where good trainers come in. Good trainers know the psychological impact involved in combat sports. I recently watched a video of a young lady who wanted to learn to box. And she went to a trainer who worked with her diligently to prepare her for sparring. And when the sparring began, the young lady took a hit to the head. She started crying, which is not uncommon. It wasn't that she was weak. Rather, she had never experienced somebody punching her in the face. And it wasn't a very hard punch, but the fight or flight kicked in. And her mind told her to stop this at once and get out. But the coach encouraged her to continue. And she then got knocked to the mat by another headshot. And when this happened, I immediately thought she's going to either quit or become a savage. And she, after a good long pep talk, decided to go the savage route. And she overcame the sensation of fleeing by committing her mind to understanding that getting hit hard is a part of the fight, but it doesn't have to be the end. And she went on and became an impressive boxer in a short period of time. So what does all of this have to do with Jesus? A lot. In our cultural coffee shop Christianity, Getting our spiritual bell rung by some crazy event can leave a believer stunned and wanting to flee. And I can think of times when the Lord spoke to me very clearly about something and then gave me instructions to fix it, which usually involve confessing and asking for forgiveness. And it stunned me. Why are you digging this up after years, Lord? But I knew it was God, and I was very uncomfortable, and I wanted to flee. But to where? Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or the grave, you are there. You can't run from God. Jonah tried it. Didn't work out well for him. 
But when we study the book of Jonah and we learn of the task God had given him and the people to which Jonah was to rebuke, we see in that moment God spoke to him, his bell began to ring. And he wanted nothing to do with these Assyrians who were famous for torturing their enemies, then chiseling a picture of that torture on rocks for everyone to see. Many of these rocks have been taken to museums and you can still see the Assyrian cruelty. So Jonah became desperate and instead of heading out to Nineveh, he about faced and took off to Tarshish. And I don't believe that Jonah hated God or really wanted to disobey him. I believe Jonah could see himself being skinned alive and nailed to a wall like the Assyrians were in the habit of doing, or being captured and having a hook put through his nose and tied to a rope like a leash, and then soldiers pulling them to the place where they were going to take them. This was a very real concern because this is what they did. And add to this, God's instructions were to go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, and just waltz on in, tell everyone that, yeah, my God is going to defeat all your gods, so you better repent. And by the way, you have 40 days till you are judged by my God. Yeah, we can see why Jonah went fetal. We must remember who God is. He is in control of everything. And I don't believe a lot of people believe that. God is in control. And granted, the devil has liberty to deceive and destroy anyone he can, but God is our shelter. Psalm 18 verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So our foundation is solid if we're a child of God. And he also prepares us for the battle. In Psalm 18:34, he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. And part of that training is to equip us with what we need. And when David wrote Psalm 18, he wasn't merely speaking of military training. Yes, that was a part of his training. But what about all the battles that don't involve fighting another person? What about the battle within? Paul writes in Romans 7 about this battle where he wants to do the things he knows are wrong and he fails to do the things he knows are right. Then he adds, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Well, the answer to that question is simple. The one who trains us for battle. The battle of the flesh versus the spirit is a fierce battle that involves training, suffering, fighting, etc., all of which are the expectation of God for each one of us. We do our part and we fight the battle while God does his part and brings about the victory. And God has given us coaches in addition to the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The work of the ministry for me has been pretty smooth on the outside, but the battle between my flesh and the spirit rages every day. But we haven't had to deal with too many hard things in our fellowship, unlike other ministries that I know of. And God has really blessed our ministry. However, there have been hard decisions to make that require putting on the armor of God. And I have learned a lot of lessons from these situations, as well as situations from other ministries. I watch out for things, and I keep my eyes on things as they unfold. And as a result, I've learned a lot. It's like watching the films of your opponent and watching their mistakes and what happened to them. So we can understand better, yeah, when they're playing this team, this is the other team's strength. And look what happened when they dropped the ball. They got mowed over. So you learn from watching others. But when we get our bell rung in ministry, in whatever ministry you may be in, church, family, work, etc., because life is a ministry for the child of God. It's not just a Sunday school title or something like that. It's important to know that we will sometimes want to flee because we feel like we need to get out of the situation. And I've had this experience several times throughout the years at our church, which started in 1994. 
I want to flee because I didn't want to be there anymore because my needs weren't getting met. I didn't like what was going on, etc. And God dealt with me on those issues. And watching many people come and go over the years, I learned that those who flee for reasons that are dumb usually either leave church altogether or bounce around from church to church. They go spiritually dormant because something unpleasant has happened, and instead of crying out to the Lord for direction, they cry out to someone else who will sympathize with their feelings, and this doesn't fix things. But to serve Jesus, even if we are not involved in a church ministry, it requires strength and patience and wisdom, because different seasons of our lives will come and go, and some of those seasons will be good, while other seasons may not be. But remembering that times of suffering can be beneficial to the child of God is very important. Romans 5.2, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. These times of sufferings can mature us as believers, and if we preload our minds with this truth, then when the times come where suffering is all around us, we will be much more able to endure the suffering and progress through it to the point of hope. Why? Because God's love is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into all truth. John sixteen thirteen. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. So if you are suffering from spiritual paralysis over something that has occurred in your life that has left you shocked and dismayed, remember, you are a child of God, and God is with you. If you allow him to coach you through the issue, you will become stronger and start growing in faith again. Thank you.